Hey, podcast family, and welcome to episode number 273 of the L3 Leadership Podcast, where we are obsessed with helping you grow to your maximum potential and to maximize the impact of your leadership. My name is Doug Smith, and I am your host, and today's episode is brought to you by my friends at Baratung Advisors. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. I hope you enjoy our content and I hope that you'll become a subscriber. And if you've been with us for a while, welcome back. And I thank you for being a listener. And it would mean the world to me if you would leave a rating and review on whatever app you listen to podcasts through. Uh, That helps us grow our audience organically. So thank you in advance for that. Today you were in for a treat. You were going to hear my interview with Jesse Cool, otherwise known as the Yellow Tux Guy. And I actually stumbled upon Jesse through LinkedIn. A few of my friends were liking and sharing some of his content. And I started following him and loved what I saw. And so I reached out for an interview and got it. And, you know, I've done hundreds of interviews. And I can say that by far, by far, this was the most high energy interview I've ever done. Uh, I thought I was high energy. And then I met Jesse. And uh, he just blew my mind. And he's a lot of energy. He is a lot of fun, but he also has a ton of wisdom. And I think that you're just going to hear so many things uh, that you can practically apply to your life in this interview that you're just going to fall in love. And so let me just tell you a little bit about Jesse before we dive into the interview. Uh, He is the founder of Fans First Entertainment and the owner of Savannah Bananas. That's right. And you'll hear more about that in the interview. His teams have welcomed more than 1 million fans to their ballparks and have been featured on MSNBC, CNN, ESPN, and Entrepreneur Magazine. The Bananas have been awarded Organization of the Year, Entrepreneur of the Year, Business of the Year, and won the CPL Championship in their first year. Fans First Entertainment has been featured on the Inc. 500 list as one of the fastest growing companies in America. The Savannah Bananas currently have sold out every game since their first season, and they have a waiting list in the thousands for tickets. Jesse released his first book, Find Your Yellow Tux, How to Be Successful by Standing Out in January of 2018 with a world book tour at Epcot. Cole has been featured on over 500 podcasts and is an in-demand keynote speaker all over the country sharing the fans' first experience on how to stand out, be different, and create raving fans for both customers and employees. Cole is the host of the Business Done Differently podcast and has interviewed over 100 of some of the world's leading entrepreneurs, authors, and speakers. And he owns seven yellow tuxedos and proposed to his wife, Emily, and the yellow tux in front of a sold-out crowd. She said yes, and the two later married at their stadium. And in 2018, they were welcomed their first baby banana, Maverick. And I don't often read people's full bio, but it was just fun to read that. And I literally, I can't wait for you to listen to this interview. Uh, but before we dive into it, just a few announcements. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Baritongue Advisors. The financial advisors at Baritongue Advisors help educate and empower clients to make informed financial decisions. You can find out how Baritongue Advisors can help you develop a customized financial plan for your financial future by visiting their website at Baritongue Advisors. That's B-E-R-A-T-U-N-G advisors.com. Securities and investment products and services offered through Waddell and Reed, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC. Baritone Advisors, Waddell and Reed, and L3 Leadership are separate entities. I also want to thank our sponsor, Henny Jewelers. My wife, Laura, and I got our engagement and wedding rings at Henny Jewelers, and we just fell in love with the experience that we had and fell in love with them as jewelers. In fact, what we really love about them is they give every engaged couple a book to help invest in their future marriage, and we just absolutely love that. Their owner, John, has become a friend and mentor in my life, and I can't say enough about them. So if you're in need of a good jeweler, check out hennyjewelers.com. And with all that being said, let's dive right into the interview. Here's my interview with Jesse Cole, the yellow tux guy. Jesse, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm very excited for this just by the energy that you've brought in the last three minutes as we've talked. Um, So why don't we just start off with you just telling uh, our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do. 
Yes. Well, thank you, Doug. Fired up to be with you guys. Uh, yes, I am a crazy guy in a yellow tuxedo. I own a baseball team that's more like a circus. Uh, I have an amazing wife who started this with me, and I actually proposed in front of a sold-out crowd in the yellow tux to her, and she actually said yes. Uh, and we're still married. And yes, we have a uh, we have a young son and we're a foster daughter now. And uh, yeah, basically, we we realized there was a huge problem in baseball. It's too long, too slow, too boring. I took over the uh, worst team in the country when I was 23 years old. Uh, there were only 200 fans coming to the games, $268 in the bank account, and they were failing. And I realized we can't be a baseball team. So we said, let's, what if we had our players do choreographed dances? What if we had grandma beauty pageants? What if we did flatulence fun nights, salute to underwear nights, pregnant nights? We started trying everything and people started coming. And that first team ended up selling out games. And we said, let's take on a bigger adventure. And we decided to buy an expansion franchise and go down to Savannah, Georgia. And we went there uh, back in 2015 and proceeded to fail miserably for six months. And that's where the story started. And I can keep going or just go from you. But it was a crazy, brutal, terrible failure for the first six months. And then we learned a few things along the way. Yeah, I, I definitely want to dive into that. And I guess you can kind of guide us along the timeline. I want you to first start, obviously, if, if people are watching this, if you're not, Jesse's wearing a bright yellow tux with a yellow top hat. It's awesome. Tell us about that. What's the story behind that? Or is that part of the, the story you're about to... Uh, so yeah, to well, before I get into Savannah, yeah, with our first team in Gastonia, um, we were failing. I had no idea what to do. So I read every book about P.T. Barnum and Walt Disney. Hmm. And they're my two biggest mentors. I have posters of them right here and, and quotes that guide me with what I was doing. You know, what would P.T. Barnum do? What would Walt Disney do with your failing baseball team at the lowest level of baseball? Guys, we're college summer baseball. It's not like major league or triple A or double A or high A. It's college summer baseball. So we had to get it interesting. So with P.T. Barnum, I said, we can no longer be a baseball team. It's going to be more of a show. Well, if I'm going to be running the show, I can't be dressed with like a polo and a you know regular T-shirt. So I called my buddy who owns a bridal formal shop, and he, he gave me a, a black tuxedo that first game with tails and a top hat. And uh, it was 101 degrees, and I almost melted. And I was like, this is not, not going to work. So I went online and found brightcoloredtuxedos.com. It actually exists. And I bought a yellow tuxedo for $44.95 and got it shipped overnight, put it on the next game. And fans started taking pictures and it just, it, it caught on. And so I became the yellow tux guy. And whenever I give speeches and I wrote my book, Find Your Yellow Tux, How to Be Successful by Standing Out. And that's kind of guided our whole thing. And more than anything, Doug, it gives permission to our people to have fun and not take themselves too seriously. I mean, business is too serious. It needs to be fun. And if your owner is dressed up in a yellow tuxedo, how can you not have a little bit of fun? So that's the yellow tux story. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, so you, you wrote a book about how to stand out. And we live in a world that everyone's craving uh, attention, right? And and it's so hard to stand out. There's so many things. I need to be on Instagram. I need to be on every platform. What have you learned about standing out? Because clearly you have and clearly you're doing a good job with that. Well, ask this question. You can ask yourself and ask the business. And I'd, I'd actually write it down right now. Anybody, what makes you different? And that is the hardest question for anybody to answer. And what most people do is they write, well, we're a little bit cheaper. We have a better price. We're a little er, er, er. If you're a little bit er, like better, faster, cheaper, you're not different. What are you the only one doing? And so we had to stand out. We had to be dramatically different. So we had to figure out what are we the only one doing? So we asked that question over and over again. And now we have a page of about 20 things we're the only one doing. Because when you don't have any money, which I came to Gastonia, and literally, I couldn't pay myself for three months. Then we came into Savannah. I'm about to get into that failure where I'm sleeping on an airbed. We had no money. We had to create something so different, so remarkable, so unforgettable that people could tell everyone about us, do the marketing. And that's where the essence, and I guess that's also kind of what the Yellow Tux stands for. You know, people might not know my name, but they know there's a Yellow Tux guy. If you go on Google and search Yellow Tux, you're going to find me. Like, you're not going to necessarily find like a Yellow Tux. You'll see me. And so 
that whole mindset of what makes you different. Every business in the world has marketing directors. They have a marketing plan, but how many have an attention plan? What are we doing to create attention to be dramatically different? And we had to build that because we had no other choice. Wow. Yeah. So talk about when you took over Savannah Bananas, you, you bought this franchise expansion. You said the first six months were an absolute failure and extremely tough. And then tell us the rest of the story. Oh yeah. Talk about if you could, like, Savannah Bananas should not exist today. Like they should not, I should not be wearing this yellow tuxedo. I should be, you know, in field position crying somewhere. Like that's really where we should be. Cause here's what, here's what happened. We went to Savannah and my wife and I, we just got married and we went from zero debt to $1.8 million in debt. And when you're, I was 31 years old at that point. She was 28. Not a great start to a marriage. Not a good start. <laughs> Not at all. And so we took on that outrageous debt between we had bought the Gastonia team, the former team. We bought the Savannah team. And then we had to put money into the team because we had a what a cast of characters to start. We had a 24-year-old president and three 22-year-olds out of college. This was our staff. <laughs> we were going to take over Savannah. And so we show up that first day and the former team. Now, granted, there was professional baseball in Savannah for 90 years. Literally, Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, they all played at the stadium. And there was professional baseball. The New York Mets affiliate was there, but no one came to the games. They were getting a couple hundred fans because they, they were just about a baseball team. And they said, the city of Savannah, we want a brand new $40 million stadium. And the city's like, we're not going to build you that. You can't get 40 fans. What are you talking about? So they left and they weren't too happy about it. So they cut the phone lines. They cut the internet lines. So when we showed up, there was no office, no equipment, nothing left of the ballpark. We walk into an abandoned storage building and there's nothing there. We look around and said, well, I guess this is it. And imagine these three 22-year-olds and 24-year-olds like, did I just take on this job? So we got a picnic table out from the park because we're at a park and we put it in the office. We grabbed our cell phones. We started calling the community and saying, we're here. And they're like, who are you guys? Wait, you're not even professional? You're college? Can we even drink beer at the games? People had like, it was bad. Three months in, we sold two total tickets. Two. It was like a donation. They were like, here you go, guys. We feel bad for you. We sold two total tickets. By January, and I'll never forget the date, January 15th, 2016, I'm at my best friend's wedding, my uh, college roommate's wedding in New Jersey with my wife. I get a phone call from one of our staff members at 4.45 on a Friday. Uh, hey, guys, um, we just overdrafted the account. Uh, we have payroll coming up, and we have no money. And Emily looks at me, and what do we do? And so we went to that wedding and we faked kind of danced and we got back in the car, we drove back and she turns to me and says, Jesse, we have to sell our house. We have no other options. Talk, talk about an amazing wife. We just got married two months ago and she's like, we're gonna, so we had our dream house in Charlotte. I mean, it was awesome guys. I, I put a hot tub in there. We had a fire pit. We had outdoor TV. It was like perfect. It's like, we got to sell our house. So we sold our house. We emptied out our savings account. The little money that we had, we put into the team to cover payroll for the next couple of weeks. Hope that we could. And uh, we went down to Savannah and we found this place that was falling apart. And guys, I'm if you could picture the worst house in the world, times that by 10, I walked in, I walked in and I immediately walked out and I said, nope, no way, Em, no. So we bought it and <laughs> we, we went there and we couldn't afford better. So we just got an airbed. There's actually a picture. NPR did a big story and we, they asked for pictures. We sent this one picture that we saved. It was just an airbed in the corner and it was so gross. We had to sleep with our socks on because the floors were disgusting. And uh, that's, that's where it was just five years ago. And so we had to do something from there to get dramatically different, to get attention and then to get the hearts of the fans. And so that's where we were. And now, unfortunately, we're, uh, we're much further along now. Yeah. So just a question. I mean, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that that go after their dreams. But if they had something like that happen, we're just throwing the towel. Why didn't you quit? <laughs> what do they say? Uh, you burn the boats. 
Hmm. We had no other options, guys. <laughs> what else are we going to do? We wow. just bought this team. You know, and I, I think there's something to be said about that. You know, I think the best thing that we had for us is we didn't have resources. You know, if, if you want to be resourceful, live without resources. You know, hmm. you think about all these people that get a big inheritance check or they get money or they get this funding. They have all this money to play with. Well, they don't learn how to grind. We had no other options. We had to find a way to make this successful or we had nothing. And so I think sometimes that's the best thing that can happen to you. I mean, Walt Disney, obviously the biggest person I look up to, I mean, he's mortgaged his life numerous times. Snow White and Seven Dwarfs put everything into it to try to make that work. Then wow. Disneyland sold his house. He got loans on it. Everything. I mean, he went all in and because this is where he's going. And I think we need to be able to do that more. And to, to me, what's the worst thing that happened? It doesn't work. Uh, yeah, we're out of money. We start over. But I don't even think like that. I felt what would happen if it did work. And so that's why I told ourselves, we just got to believe. And we believed in it because we saw in Gastonia it could be successful. We saw thousands of people coming to a ballpark to watch players dance and to watch all the shenanigans. So we knew it could work. We just had to get the, the eyes and ears of Savannah. We had to get their attention before we could get their hearts. And the hearts is where you really win, but it's hard to get the hearts at first. You have to really show them and earn their hearts. And we had to earn that. Yeah. And how did you do that? So you went from that place of like, Hey, we hope this works. Let's go for it. What happened over the next six years to get you to where you are today? So the first thing is we had to create unbelievably, unbelievable attention. So we didn't name the team contest. First of all, the name of our company is fans first entertainment. Our mission is fans first entertain always literally every decision we ask is it fans first. The name of our company before that was team Colin associates. That sounds like a terrible <laughs> law firm or accountant office. It's like team Colin associates. Can we help you? What a terrible name, name your company after who you are and what you stand for. Hmm. Fans first entertainment with our mission. And then, so we said, all right, that's who we are. Well, we got to get, come up with a name that can embody more who we are as well and get the attention. So we had to name the team contest and we said specifically, we want things that are different, dramatically crazy, something outrageous. And we proceeded to get 99.9% .9 normal names, sailors, ports, anchors, like silly, not even good names. And then one woman, Lynn Moses suggested bananas. That was it. And uh, we looked at each other. We said, yeah. yeah, could we have a senior citizen dance team called the banana nanas? Yeah. Could we have a male cheerleading team called the Mananas? Could our mascot be named Split? Could we have promotions where we throw bananas from the top deck and people catch them in their pants and it's called Banana in the Pants? Could we do music videos to Can't Stop the Peeling? And we just started <laughs> kept going down that road. Could Go Bananas be our whole chip? We said, this is it. And we said, we're going to get criticized like you read about, but we'll get attention. Mm -hmm. And so we did two days of training before the announcement on February 25th of what to say when people say they hate the name. And we came out February 25th and people didn't know the week before we had our first shipment of t-shirts delivered to the stadium. And there were too many N's in bananas. Bananas was spelled wrong. Our first 200 t-shirts we couldn't even use. All right. We were failing on every level. So finally, February 25th, 2016, we announced the name and this is all covered in the Savannah Bananas story documentary, which is, is, uh, was really well done. And, uh, so we, sh we, we announced the name and all of a sudden it's like a, a mix of like cheers, booze, confusion, people going, no. And then all of a sudden on social media, you guys are an embarrassment to the city. You'll never sell a ticket. Leave our town. Now this is going to be the biggest failure bananas. Why would you name the ripped apart? But then Emily comes over. She goes, Jesse, look at this. And we were number one trending on Twitter. I'm like, what is happening? And it's like, so national we're trending on Twitter. Then all of a sudden the Today Show, ESPN, everyone starts reaching out. We're like, this is big. And she's like, Jesse, merchandise is going crazy. And she's like, oh no, oh no, oh no. And I'm like, what's happening? She's like, Jesse, you know, we're charging $5 shipping, but every four orders is out of the country. 
and Australia, the UK, New Zealand, and it's all over. I'm like, we're going to lose our everything on this. And so <laughs> we ended up doing thousands of orders. And uh, luckily that helped us get out from having no money because we do merchandise. Wow. And locally we were, we were ripped apart, but people knew who we were. Mm-hmm. And so once they knew who we were, we started creating that tension. And we started saying, this is what we're going to do. The banana and ants. We're going to have every ticket all inclusive. You can come to our game and every ticket includes all your burgers, your hot dogs, your chicken sandwiches, your soda, your water, your popcorn, your dessert, everything for $15. And people are like, no way. I'm like, yes way. And they're like, I'm like, do you know how to do that? I'm like, not at all, but I think it's a good thing and we're going to try to do it. And so we announced all this and in the first game, uh, it sold out and people came and with pouring rain, it was pouring rain. The game didn't start till nine o'clock. We had the banana nanas dance for like an hour on the field in the rain, which was very, very funny to watch. And we had the players come out of a, a trolley and I looked up at nine o'clock and not one fan had left. They stayed in the pouring rain. People were wearing banana costumes. One guy shaped his beard like a banana. They were, it was unbelievable. And the game stayed till 12 and we played terrible guys. This first game, we made six errors. I mean, it was bad. And the guys were in green uniforms because we're not quite ripe. So we had to wear green uniforms for opening night. So they weren't quite right. And at the end of the night, they left. After that game, every game proceeded to sell out. They told everyone about the experience, about how we had free s'mores at the game. We had uh, our banana pep band, our breakdancing first base coach. They talked about the experience. And fast forward five years later, we've sold out every single game and have a wait list for tickets in the thousands, uh, even in a pandemic. So, And now my wife and I have a real bed. So we've come full circle. <laughs> That's amazing. What, what is that? I'm just curious. How did the players respond? At first, what the yeah. heck did I sign up for? Now, how can I get on your videos? So right now we have more followers on TikTok than any major league baseball team. So right, <laughs> now, like, so right now we have 400,000 followers on TikTok. Um, we do music videos like Old Town Road, Can't Stop the Peeling, Bananas Are Back that have millions of views, hundreds of thousands on uh, Facebook. And um, so they want to be in this because they get a boost in popularity as soon as they, and when they go out in town, you know, I can't say this because it's NCA, but they don't have to buy food, drinks or haircuts or anything because the community pays for it because they're looked on as celebrities. So now, and now we have a professional team and we're taking the show on the road and we have guys coming from all over the country and we're doing a professional uh, new team, but that's a whole nother story. Guys just came from all over to have a chance to play for the bananas. So at first it was a disaster, but now because of the media attention, it's become a cooler thing. Yeah. So where do you see most organizations missing it when it comes to marketing and standing out? Cause clearly you've crushed the competition. I mean, if you, more followers than the MLB, that's pretty impressive. Serve over sell. Hmm. So for instance, you know what I hate, what I hate, hmm. we don't, if you watch our posts, Look at how many times we just entertain and we offer value. We offer brand and we offer things that, that ever offers value to our fans. So you talk about want to be the best marketing advice, stop marketing. You know, let's uh, give me, give me a point here. This past year on February 25th. All right. You want to hear our February 25th, 2020. You want to hear the worst business idea plan. Let's throw away hundreds of thousands of dollars right before a pandemic hits. That's the worst business plan. How do we do it? We said, we're going to create the first ever ad free stadium. So we eliminated all advertising from our ballpark, all sponsorship, everything. We threw away hundreds of thousands of dollars. Five days later, we surprised our team with a trip to Disney. And then so we're in Disney on March 5th. One week later, pandemic, world shuts down. It was one of the best decisions we've ever made. We threw away hundreds of thousands of dollars. Not a million, but getting up there, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now our merchandise, we increased by 100 to 200% per month. Like for instance, we're in March right now. We passed what we did last March on the second day. People from all over are buying and merchandise is becoming a seven-figure brand just because people believe in who we are and what we do. And we don't try to sell merchandise. 
We entertain our fans and we don't do things that fans hate. Market to them, sell to them, advertise them. We have no shipping fees on our merchandise. We have no ticket fees, no convenient fees. Everything's all inclusive. It's fans first. It's who we are. So you have to play the long game. We're focused on long-term fans over short-term profits. If you want to be a good marketer, stop focusing on the short-term profits. What can I put out today to make money tomorrow? No, what can you put out today to create fans for tomorrow? You change the conversation, change the game, you win in the long run. That's incredible. Now you're clearly a great marketer, but also to accomplish what you've done, you've had to obviously be a great leader as well. What have you learned about leadership throughout this whole journey? I've learned more from our team. So love your customers more than you love your product. For us more, love your fans more than you love your products, but love your people more than you love your customers. And every single company has core beliefs, but you have stories that back them up. Right here, this is our, this is our fans first playbook. We give this to anybody before they join our team. On the back says, be patient in what you want for yourself, but be impatient in how much you give to others. Everything we do is about how do we give our team. We do our love language tests. So we literally know, here's a funny story. So we did love language, our whole full-time staff. And what I realized for this, you guys know the love languages. It's like, you know, affirmation, quality time, uh, physical touch. What's yours? Uh, um, I'll get to it. Uh, (laughs) so, So we do it for our whole team. And we find one that's just staggering above everyone else. My wife, by the way, is acts of service. You know, she's an owner with us. She does everything together, big part. And so what I did is I actually went online and bought her a custom axe and I wrote, and I got service inscribed on it. So I gave her an axe of service. She didn't, <laughs> think, that, she didn't, she didn't think that was that funny. That's um, beautiful. But our president, Jared, who's amazing and sends a leadership memo to the team, inspiring every single week. Uh, he, was, uh, he was top of the line on words of affirmation, but bottom on uh, on. Uh, touch, physical touch. And he said, tell me you love me, but don't you ever touch me is what he told our team. <laughs> and so what we learned is everyone on our team was top of the line of words of affirmation. Everybody, everybody. And so I remember our director of operations coming to me after, after uh, uh, a season. And I said, Hey, Jonathan, what was your best memory of this past season? And I, we've done crazy things. We've taken our team on cruises. We've gone to Disney. We've just do have a great parties events. He goes, Jesse, it was after our first concert and you came up to me and patted me on the shoulder and said, Great work today, Jonathan. I'm proud of you. He goes, that was my best moment of the year. And it was simply just telling him that he mattered. And so when you talk about leadership, what we say is 3M, moments matter meaning. Create moments that show people that they matter. And that will provide them deeper meaning. Because nothing matters more than making people feel like they matter. If you want to be a great leader, show your people that they matter every single day. Don't catch them doing things wrong. Catch them doing things right. And so I've learned this from some great leaders. And every day I challenge our president, who are we recognizing today? Who are we acknowledging? Before every single staff chat, every meeting, every talk, it begins with recognition. We praise publicly like you read about. We have a shout out uh, message forum on our teams. Every day you'll see shout outs from our team. We constant, constantly recognize. And when we have to give criticism, we do it individually, one-on-one. No one needs to be criticized in front of a bunch of people. We need to praise publicly, make people feel good, make people feel like they matter and give people purpose every single day. That's the job of a leader. And that's what we're aspiring to do. Yeah, clearly you've built a great culture internally as well. I'm just curious, what are some things you do week to week to develop that culture and sustain the culture and make sure that the culture doesn't get ruined by a toxic employee, et cetera? Yeah. So again, everything starts with your, your core beliefs and your mission. So fans first and our core beliefs uh, always be caring, different, enthusiastic, fun, growing and hungry. We follow the alphabet. Keep it simple for our team. Always be caring, different, enthusiastic, fun, growing and hungry. And so we recognize those core beliefs on a weekly basis. And part of one thing that we do is you got to make sure that your team is growing. For us, the way we hire, you, 
if you want to get hired with us, you have to do a fan's first essay on how you fit our core beliefs. Then you have to do a video cover letter because we want to see, can you interact? Do we actually get enthusiasm from talking to you? And number wow. three, we, we want to see a future resume. We don't care about what you did in the past. We want to know what you want to do in the future. So with this future resume, we can tell right away, are they growing? Are they hungry? If they say, I want to be um, the account executive for the next six years, you aren't growing, my friend. You aren't hungry. We want you to go take on the world in three years, five years. And so we can tell that from right away. So that's how we start the process of hiring. And what we have is we have a full vision of where we are going. And we share this every staff chat that we have every week. We have someone from our team read our vision. We wrote in a vision and held us, held us accountable. We're doing some crazy stuff. It's on our website, the 2025 vision. We're going to be playing year round. We're going to be taking the show on the road. We're doing things that don't make sense. We're, but we have our team read it. And the vision starts with two pages solely about our team. It's about our team, how we're going to have surprises and delights for them constantly. We're going to set the gold standard for benefits, how we're going to recognize them. And they read that. And I remember it was, I was a part of one uh, a couple of months ago in November, and we had Lizzie, our director of merch, start reading. And she's like, you know, we're constantly looking to do unexpected surprises for our team. And goes on, she reads it. And then at the end said, all right, guys, you have 30 minutes, pack up your stuff, clear your schedule, we're leaving. And the staff's like, what? And they all start running around clearing the schedule. And they come out, and we have a big party bus outside. And uh, Emily says, uh, all right, guys, um, here's a $500 gift card for each of you. Uh, we're going to the Tanger outlets. We're going to shop all day for you guys, for Christmas, for your family, whatever you want. It's all yours. It's all your day. Thank you. And that, so we try to live by that vision by holding ourselves accountable and putting it in front of people. So that's a longer answer to it, but that's part of how we do it. Yeah, you mentioned P.T. Barnum was a hero. I'm just curious. Was that so you were a P.T. Barnum fan before The Greatest Showman came out? Come on. That, those are all right. What's up? I'm not going to call anyone, uh, you know, a, a P.T. Farnham fan. All right. Because, <laughs> you know, they, they became in 2018 after they started singing songs. Um, but yes, I had to be. I had to be. You know, P.T. Barnum, what he did in the 1800s, no one else was even. I mean, he was so far ahead of the time. It was outrageous. And so we had to figure out how to get attention of a low level baseball team in a tiny town called Gastonia, North Carolina. P.T. Barnum was a genius at it. So yeah, I read every book on him. And yeah, I'm literally looking at a picture of him in my office quote. People have sent me uh, autographs from P.T. Barnum from the 1800s, which is awesome. Wow. Um, I got a P.T. Barnum, literally got a P.T. Barnum card here. People give me. So yes, I've been, <laughs> I've been, I, which is rare. You know, P.T. Barnum baseball card is rare. So I'm sure it's worth something. But um, yeah, there's, there's a lot to learn from him. And a lot of the things people said about him uh, wasn't true. He was, he was brilliant and he did a lot of good. And I think uh, I'm glad there was a movie that sh shared that a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say, did you like the movie then? As yeah, everyone, everyone asked, what was, it, what was your opinion of the movie, Jesse? Was it all true? I go, of course not. And P.T. Barnum wouldn't have had it that way. P.T. Barnum's number one goal was to bring joy, bring happiness and make people and, and make people have a good time. And so, you know, the, the, how the whole story went, I mean, it, it buttered it up and made it a lot more positive and happy. But what they did is they created music and they created a show with, with the movie, which made it great. And I think that's how P.T. Barnum would have done it. You know, don't don't let uh, all the logistics and details and facts get away from uh, making someone feel special. And you walk out of that, you cannot be like singing and stuff and like, you know, from now on, like, like people are just doing it. I'm like, what is happening? It's like P.T. Barnum did that. Did any of those like, things actually really happen? Not all of it, only a little bit, but now I'm entertained. And I think, I think that's the goal. I'm going to say this. Sorry, you got me going. Love it. You talk about leadership, you talk about, you know, management, people running like entertainment. I think people are so afraid to talk about entertaining. You know what the definition of entertain is? Do you have any idea? I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for it. I didn't know either. Like I, people say you're an entertainer. I'm like, I should look that up. It's provide enjoyment and provide amusement. Aren't we all in the entertainment business? Yeah. 
And so I think people are so, oh, you're in a yellow tux. You want a baseball team. You can entertain. I don't care if you're in a nonprofit, you're a heating and cooling company, you're a restaurant. How are you entertaining your people, your guests every single day and providing enjoyment to amuse them? I do it in a bigger way. But P.T. Barnum understood that with his movie, with everything. They're like, we're going to entertain and bring so much joy, enjoyment and amusement to you that we're going to win in the entertainment. If you get their hearts by, their entertain by entertaining them, everything else takes care of itself. So we lead with the entertainment. And that's kind of the, the spirit of it. And I think PT and Walt Disney, and they're so good at that. And so that's where I get a lot of inspiration. Yeah, well, you already won my heart. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go buy a Savannah Bananas t-shirt after this. What's up? <laughs> Will, we're buying them. Let's buy them for everyone. I, appreciate well, I, I hope the experience is good. So I don't want to tell you about the, I don't want to tell you about the experience, but I hope, you, I hope certain things happen that don't normally happen when you buy merchandise. So if there's one it. piece of merchandise you would encourage us to buy as first-time fans, what would you tell us to buy? I mean, people, I mean, I mean, the primary shirt with the, with the, uh, with the, the logo will, people will comment on it. So everyone I was running with a guy today, he's like, yeah, I was wearing my hat in Michigan. People are like, oh man, the bananas. I love that hat. Go bananas. He's like, so I would get something full logo, uh, rocket. Um, and you never know, there may be some, uh, bonuses that come with it. You know, you never know. You never know how we deliver things. Let's put it this way. We failed the first year delivering things, but we've gotten better over the last five years <laughs> and there's no shipping a $24 shirts, $24. If you want, if you want a banana cream soda, which we invented this past year, if you want banana cream soda, you get banana cream soda and you get a pint glass and everything. There's no shipping, even though shipping this is not easy, but we, 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 we built it in. So it's good. You know, anyway, I have to introduce you to my friend, Greg. Well, remind me to connect. Greg. Anyway. All right. Greg Fuhrer. <laughs> He'll Greg, I'm in. All right. uh, I want to dive into the lightning round in a minute, but before we, we do, where can people connect with you? Where can people find your content? I know you have a book out. Can you just yeah, search, search yellow tux? But uh, no, I, uh, uh, a few years ago, I started posting every day on LinkedIn. So on LinkedIn is my game. I have a lot yeah. of fun there and I just share lessons that I'm learning. And I think that's a good thing for leadership too. Often we're too afraid to share because we don't think we know. Share the journey, share what you're learning. Uh, I think, you know, great leaders are, are people that share constantly and aren't afraid of what people think about them. And so I share constantly every day. And I think it's helped me become a leader because I learn from the people that respond to it. Yeah. I actually found you because of LinkedIn. A friend of mine liked something that you posted and I started looking through your stuff. I'm like, I got to meet this guy. So, so well, thank you. And, uh, but I think that's it. Like we are so holding ourselves back from actually giving value. We think it's about us. Like, oh, but you're making it about us. No, it's about other people because they open up to what they can learn from you. And I just think that's, uh, I mean, Mark Cuban, some of the greatest sports owners are doing it really well as well. All right. Well, hey, let's dive in the lightning round. I'm sure you'll have a lot of fun with this. What's right. the best advice you've ever received in your life and who gave it to you? Uh, that's a brutal question for someone that's read thousands of books and gets lots of advice, but I will say this, um, and this is not gonna be lightning. I apologize. I'm gonna go as fast as I can. I'll talk faster. Uh, best. My dad as a kid used to tell me, Jesse, swing hard in case you hit it. Every time I came up to bat as a five-year-old, I would swing like crazy and I swung and missed a lot, but when I hit it, man, it took off. But that wasn't the best advice for my dad. The best advice for my dad was back in 2013 when my dad had two forms of cancer, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, including, and also colon cancer. And um, he was in the hospital for months. And every day I called my dad and I said, dad, how you doing? And he'd go, great, Jess, great. Just going to be a, you know, a little challenging season, but wait till summer, wait till summer, Jesse. Every day, great, every day. Until one day he called and I said, I called dad, I said, dad, how you doing? He goes, Jess, I'm good, I'm good, good. How are you, Jesse, what's going on in your world? And I talked to my stepmother and he said, uh, she said, uh, you know, he really took the, the stem cell and was just, I've never seen someone so sick. I didn't know how he was going to get through it. He was the sickest I've ever seen him. It was the chemo just wiped him out. And, uh, I called him the next day. Dad, how you doing? Jess, great. I'm great. I uh, just, you know, going to be there soon. Going to be there soon. And uh, a few months later, uh, he was in complete remission. Uh, he beat the cancer. And the doctors at Beth Israel said he was the most positive patient they've ever met. And they've never seen someone defeat cancer like they have with him. Wow. And I think when you act about best advice, 
his mindset was all, hey, if we're going to get to summer. I'm great. I'm good. And his positivity has really been, I don't want to say the advice, but the something I look to every day. You know, when we think we had a bad, bad day or a bad call or a bad email or a bad meeting or whatever, it's nothing. It is nothing. My dad battled unbelievable chemo where he was on his ground, just sick like you read about. And he said he was good that day. Wow. So that's the best advice I've received. If you could put a quote on a billboard for everyone to read, what would it say? Oh, come on. That's a brutal question. And you know it. Um, oh, geez. You know, I am a quote machine. I- um, all right. I'm going to go what's on the back of the fans first playbook. Be patient in what you want for yourself, but be impatient in how much you give to others. Best purchase you've made in the last year for $100 or less. My cookie dealer. I'm addicted. I'm addicted to half pound cookies from my cookie dealer. They're one of the best marketers I've ever seen. They've got almost 300,000 followers on Instagram. Their website is always closed. It only opens for a few minutes on Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday. And you get your chance to buy half pound cookies stuffed with Snickers and Cinnabons and brownies and you name it. It's a thousand calories per cookie. And it's been my vice. And I've probably bought from them 10 times over COVID and ate 100,000 calories of cookies. But that has been the best purchase. It brings me great joy at night. And I'm very happy with it. And it's called My Cookie Dealer? My Cookie Dealer. Look it up. It's crazy. <laughs> top three books you, uh, well, top few books you find yourself giving away most often. Ooh, giving away books. Giving away books. Right now, my wife's uh, uh, Go Bananas Kids book. I'm doing uh, my wife's kids book. I'm sending out a little bit. Um, How to Be Like Walt, uh, <clears throat> uh, The Carpenter uh, by John Gordon, um, Disney's Land, Creativity Inc. Uh, I could keep going. Um, Peak by Chip Conley. I've, I talked to so many authors. Nuts, Southwest Airlines. I don't give away a lot of books, but I read a lot of books. Those are great ones. Hope that's a good start. Are you a podcast listener? If so, what are a few of your favorites? Oh, yes. Um, I love my boy, Ryan Hawk, Learning Leader. Listen yeah. to him regularly. We're, we're close. I was on that show, which he was awesome. Uh, Story brand, Donald Miller was on him. They, that's a great one as well. Entree Leadership. And then I love the stories. There's some great like business war stories, sports war stories, where they really build the story of like how the Globetrotter started and how Disney started. I like those as well. What do you wish people knew about your story that they may not know? <laughs> I wish they knew a lot more about my wife, Emily. Um, mm. <laughs> I can't say enough about, about her. Um, but you know, she's the oldest, oldest in her family, three bro- younger brothers. And uh, when I talk about be patient and what you want for yourself, she every day sacrifices more than I've ever seen for anyone else. And uh, she's the heart of the bananas. Everyone looks at me as I'm the showman, I'm the circus, but she's the heart that every day is looking, what can we do for our team? She sends messages, packages. I mean, during COVID, she went grocery shopping for our whole team uh, and brought it in, had and literally brought it to their doors. Wow. She surprised our, our team with a, our fans first director with a trip to uh, Ireland with her father, her bucket list. She came up with the, I mean, she's the heart of it. And I wish people knew um, more about that. Yeah. And, and speaking of your wife, you, you mentioned earlier, uh, you guys are the parents to a foster child now. And we were talking a little bit before the interview about your passion for fostering. Can you just talk a little bit about that and just raise awareness around, around fostering? I thought that was powerful. 5,000%. And I'm glad to, and, and we're just getting started with that. Obviously uh, we, we're two months in now as we record this and um, it's by my wife's passion for years um, because there's such a need. There's 500,000 kids in the U S right now that don't have a home and the system is broken and the people in social work are working their butts off, but there's not enough people. There's not enough time. And there's not enough opportunities to communicate the right things to help these kids and help these parents. And the parents need is just as much help as the kids. And uh, we've seen in just a couple of months, you know, we had a, a sweet, sweet, amazing girl, uh, with us. And, uh, basically she had challenges, gashes, cuts, wasn't eating, couldn't speak, was terrified of the dark, terrified of books, terrified of a crib. And in just two months, 
Um, she's a different girl. She's the happiest I've ever seen her. And I'll tell you one of the best from a leadership advice I learned, you know, we were talking to a counselor that was involved in foster care before we started this journey. And uh, I said, you know, I understand we got to lead with empathy. She goes, no, 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 no. You need to lead with a lot more than em empathy. And she, go she goes, you got you to look at these p kids with a lot more than empathy. And I go, what do you mean? She goes, you need to look at them with admiration. Wow. She goes, what they've gone through in two years, three years, four years, they've gone through more challenges, adversity and trauma and struggles than you will ever go through in your life. You need to look at them with admiration every day and look up to these kids for what they've gone through and how they survived. And I'll tell you right now, I look at our young girl and I look at everybody in a different way that it's so easy to judge people on the outside. You know, you see our little girl and she's tiny. She's not eating that well. You know, she had gum stuck to her hair before she arrived to us. I mean, just challenges. And you want to judge that person. Or like in your sense, a homeless person that you have experience in arm, you want to judge that person. But what if you look at them with admiration? You know, like back in the day, we looked at people like Martin Luther King Jr. with admiration. What if we looked at these people with admiration? How would we treat them differently? How would we do, what would we do for them differently? And how would we make a bigger impact and difference? And so that's been some of the best advice I've received. And I, I try to do it every single day. Wow. Thank you for sharing that, raising awareness. And obviously, thank you for doing something about that issue in our country. And uh, hopefully this will help you raise some awareness and challenge some other parents to do the same. Um, what's the greatest challenge you're facing right now? <laughs> focus, focus, <laughs> 100%, focus. Amen, man. That's me I'm too, looking man. at my whiteboard over here. It's got like, you know, like 37 priorities, uh, which means nothing. But, uh, you know what? It's okay. I'm going to say this. So, um, give yourself permission. Sometimes us visionaries, people that like to, 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 to be scattered brain and just bring on integrators. I have an amazing integrator and executor in our president, Jared, and we have a same page lunch every single week. We learned this from the book Rocket Fuel, which is a great book, yeah. Integrators and Visionaries. And we have a same page lunch and Jared's like, all right, Jesse, what's on your whiteboard? And I just like, ah, I want to have a zip line across the field. I want to have a bananas brewery. I want to have a bananas sweet shop. Let's put a speakeasy in the ballpark. Let's go travel to the, <laughs> and, and he's like, Jesse, all right, one at a time. But I'll tell you, I, don't tell a visionary or a person they can't be that like stop you know, being so scattered because it, dry, it, it brings us excitement. It brings us energy. So focus is what I need to get better at, but I think I have a system that's, that's working on. So being a visionary, I have to ask uh, out of curiosity, knowing the rocket fuel uh, setup um, prior to having an integrator, how did you deal with managing people and how did people deal with working with you? Cause I know with visionaries, it can be frustrating, right? You, especially if you're an executor, it's like, this person has a new idea every single day. Oh yeah. They're all over the place. Uh, I mean, was it getting an integrator an absolute game changer for you? It sounds like talk to that. Cause I think there's a lot of visionaries who deal with this uh, tension. Yeah. And I think you have to, you have to just test things out. Yeah. I, I, I struggled. I was trying to do so many things. I'm a great starter. A visionary is a great starter. We'll do this. We'll do this. We'll do this. And then it's like, Oh wait, details get me. No way. No, Come on. no, don't touch those details. Um, so uh, yeah, you know, we're big in, Everyone that started with us or everyone that's with us from our vice president to our president to our, they started as interns. We do an intern, then to seasonal and then to full-time. So we learn very quickly. Working with me um, in the entertainment, I'm still looking for that integrator because I'm hard. I'm fast paced. We're going to do this now. We're going to do this. I mean, we do different promotions every night in front of a live audience. We have 250 different promotions that we have on two, three pages that we do. Like, good luck. And I just added 15 yesterday. Like, that's not good. Um, so yeah, we're testing, so we'll have more people testing. And so, but I think, yeah, now that we found out with our president, it's a game changer and I would dedicate more time into how can you test more people and say, all right, how do you deal with this? How do you deal with this? And then lead with respect. I think that's the biggest thing. I think executors or integrators don't respect visionaries as much 
because they're just the idea person and the executor has to do it. And the visionaries don't respect the executor as much because they often say no, or I can't do this right now, or they don't do it up to their level. I think you have to lead with respect and, and, and admiration again, that they're doing things that you can't do and you're not good at doing. So that's how I've tried to take that approach. Like Jared, I love you. Like, I appreciate you. I respect you. Can we still maybe do the speakeasy? But yeah, that's how I get. <laughs> so good. What's your greatest leadership pet peeve? Oh, ne- see, negative questions are tough for me, man. Pet peeve. I don't know. What's yours? Oh, that's a great question. You, you can't just uh, ask the question and not even know an answer yourself. That's Bush League and you know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, an unwillingness to have hard conversations. And I used to be that person. So yeah. uh, that was born out of a lesson that I've had to learn. But yeah, just an unwillingness to confront things and just be passive aggressive. That's probably my my biggest one. That's great. And I suck at that. I'm really bad at that. I don't want to hurt people's feelings. I want to be loved so much. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, I'm really bad at that. So Jared's good at that. I'm bad at that. So I'll be like, um, yeah, that wasn't that good how you did. And they're like, you're being very passive aggressive. I'm like, that's, <laughs> that's a good answer for a pet peeve. You're probably right. I, I probably set the pet peeve on that. So yeah. All right, good. I just used your answer. Hope that works. I love it. Um, do you have any unusual habits to make you successful daily? 5,000% win the morning, win the day. Hal Elrod, thank you very much for this. Uh, my mornings are electric and they're ridiculous and it doesn't make sense. I wake up every morning, anywhere between four and four 30 and my mind is going like, there's no, like, you know, some people like kind of get out of bed, like, don't talk to me till I've had my coffee. Like, I don't understand those people. Like, what do you mean? You really need coffee till I can talk to you, but that's a whole nother thing. I wake up immediately. I write a thank you letter. I've been doing this since 2016. I changed my life. I thank mm-hmm. you experiment. That's now done over 2000. Every single day I wake up. It's first thing I do. I, I know who I'm going to write to the night before. So I write down that person's name, have an address ready, do a thank you letter to start the morning. Then I write down 10 ideas. Most of those ideas are crap. They're terrible. Some are actually pretty good, but only a few. Then I write in my journal. Then I read and I read walking to get steps in. I'm weird like that. Then I go for a run and I listen to a podcast and that's getting my vegetables in. So that whole starts between 4.30 until about 6.30. Then it's time to get the kids. Those two hours, I've won the day. It's amazing. I feel on top of the world. And uh, that habit has changed. I mean, I'm getting my workout, my running. I'm getting my mental workout. And then my ideas. Everyone says, how do you come up with so many ideas? I come up with a lot of ideas. That's how I come up with so many ideas. I come up with ideas. I work my idea muscle. If you want to have more ideas, you got to work out every day. And so I write those ideas every day. And so I, all in the morning, I'm just training myself, giving me discipline to be in a better spot. That is a habit and it's been a win. And so thank you, Hellerod, for starting that and then me evolving it to what it is now. What's, uh, what's something you've done that would, is, uh, was on your bucket list that you think everyone should experience in their lifetime? Great question. What's yours? That I've done, I would go to Banff. We're, we're huge national park fans, so uh, uh, but that's probably our favorite so far. Go hike in Banff. Um, I'll, I'll say it hasn't happened yet. I'll, I'll say for my bucket, like it hasn't happened yet. It's what it's going to be. It's going to be something with my kids and my wife and my family that you know you you have those moments. We have dance parties every night, and you have those yes. moments when you're part of some things that are unique, and you're like you lose track of time. I wouldn't change anything. I have that with the business every day. I'm like right now you can see how energized I am guys, but it's going to be a bucket list moment where we're seeing something at something and I can see pure joy in my whole family's face. And we're looking there and, and I want to just time capsule that moment. That will be it. And uh, I'm sure it's going to happen sooner than later. What's your family's favorite dance party song at this time? Oh, geez. It's Lion Guard. Not Lion King. Lion Guard. Whatever. It is ridiculous. I do sing-alongs on Alexa. Great playlist, guys. Play uh, sing-alongs, Alexa, or How Will I Know radio. You know, Whitney Houston, the old school. There's a lot of great dance songs on those. So that's when, like, Daddy does dance songs. Um, But for kids' dance song, it is Lion Guard 
over and over again, or I just can't wait to be king from the Lion King, which I think Maverick played 13 times yesterday. So yeah, that's it. My girls are all about uh, Mary Poppins Returns right now. So Ooh, okay. All right. I, I I We've moved past Moana, which is good. I couldn't yes. take Moana. So I could we say, Moana oh, for. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was Maui for, for Halloween. That was fun. Um, you, got, you got the same body as The Rock, so I could see it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, if you can go back and have coffee with 20 year old Jesse, what would you tell him? Uh, <laughs> 20 year old Jesse. Now, see, so you're actually giving an age. 20 year old Jesse was life was going to be a professional baseball player. I had a full mm-hmm. college scholarship. I was talking to professional teams. I was getting uh, Christmas letters, uh, cards from the New York Mets. It was crazy. Um, and that was everything. 22 year old Jesse tore his shoulder and ended his career. And wow. I filmed myself as part of a capstone project. And I was emotional saying what I dreamed of doing my whole life was over. And I thought it was the end of the world. Uh, 23 year old Jesse found his calling, uh, running a baseball team, more like a circus. And that 23 year old Jesse at that last game of the year on a Sunday, I'm standing on top of the roof in Gastonia, uh, for our last game on a Sunday It was hundred degrees and no one comes. And it was three o'clock in the afternoon. The game started at six and cars were lining up. And people were lining up and I had a tear coming down my face. And I called my dad. I said, dad, we did it. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Hmm. And so if I were to say a 20 year old, it said, uh, just roll with it. Enjoy the journey. Love the journey. Don't think that this one thing is it baseball. And, uh, I would just keep going, keep rolling. So one day, many, many, uh, days from now, years from now, uh, when you're at the end of your life, what do you want to look back on and what do you want your legacy to be? Um, in the beginning of my book, I actually opened with my eulogy, um, which is a dark place to write when you're like, I think I was 32 years old, 31 years old when I wrote the book. So to write your eulogy is kind of weird, but I think that's a great question. How would you be remembered? I asked that uh, on my podcast, the first two or three seasons. Um, you know, there's the political answer and then the, you know, the real answer. I departmentalize my life. I have business and I have uh, uh, personal and family. And so, you know, for business, you know, I, I want to, uh, you know, make a difference and inspire people to be their best self, to stand out, to challenge the status quo, to question the rules and really live themselves to their best ability and really amplify who they are. You know, we weren't born to fit in. We were born to stand out. So I hope that I, you know, when I look back or at the end, people can say, you know, you really helped me be my full self, my whole self and really make a difference. Uh, personally, I want my kids to think I'm their best friend and I'm there for them and uh, that I'm always there to have fun. And my word this year is play. And I, if, if ever my son or my foster daughter says, uh, uh, daddy, do you want to play? The answer is always yes. And I hope that could be the answer it can always be yes for the rest of my life. Wow. Anything else you want to leave leaders with today? Wow. You threw a lot at me, man. Uh, no, I, I will say this. Um, if you want better answers in business, you got to ask better questions. And you, my friend, asked a lot of amazing questions today. And if you want to be a better leader, you got to ask better questions of yourself, better questions about your industry that you're in, better questions about your people, better questions about your customers and fans. Every single night at our ballpark, one of us goes undercover as a fan. We park with the fans. We walk in with the fans. We sit with the fans. We eat with the fans. We take notes with the fans. I do this. And I, the first night I did it, I'll never forget. I actually hit a pothole as I was pulling in. I was like, this, and my car bottomed out. I was like, this is the worst first impression ever. And, and then I saw our parking penguins, which we have penguins that park your cars. One was eating a burger and had his back turned to me. I'm like, this is terrible. You have to put yourself in other people's shoes. And to do that, you have to ask better questions. And so I would challenge uh, great leaders, ask more questions and focus on how can you be more useful and not more successful. If you ask the better questions, if be more useful, you will make a huge difference and an impact. 
Well, Jesse, I'm fired up. I've been fired up since the first minute we started talking. This was entertaining. This was extremely inspirational and extremely practical. Uh, so thank you just for sharing your message and uh, thank you for the time together. And I will go buy my Savannah Bananas t-shirt and see what else comes with it right yes. after this. Yes, yes. Well, I appreciate you. Seriously, this was awesome. You fired me up. This was definitely one of the best I've ever been on. So thank you for asking such great questions and having fun. Hey, Leader, thank you so much for listening to my interview with Jesse Cole. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. I enjoyed it so much that as soon as I was done with the interview, I ended up going and buying a Savannah Bananas t-shirt, and I cannot wait till I get it in the mail so I can wear it all the time. Um, But if you enjoyed Jesse, you can find ways to connect with him and links to everything that we discussed in the show notes at l3leadership.org forward slash 273. As always, if this episode helped you, it would mean the world to me if you would share your takeaways on social media, take a screenshot and share it and tag us, or hey, text it and share it with leaders that you think it could add value to. Uh, It'll help us with our mission of reaching more leaders. So thank you in advance for that. And again, if you're willing to leave a rating and review, that would be awesome. As always, I like to end with a quote. And just given uh, Jesse's nature in this episode, I'll quote Bob Goff. I thought this was fitting for this episode. He said, don't let other people decide who you are. And Jesse certainly hasn't done that. And I hope that that'll be uh, something that you don't let other people do as well in your life and leadership. So, hey, thanks for listening to the podcast, Laura, and I appreciate you so much. And we will talk to you next episode.